started putting decor, started putting lights on the on the front of my roof there, right? And so I'm I'm out there risking my life, hanging on the side of the roof, hanging lights, and I'm thinking I'm thinking to myself, what am I doing, right? We got lights on our on our on our hedges and our bushes in the front now, and I'm like, man, what? Who is this guy? I don't even know who this is. And of course, I do it all for for my kids because I love to see their faces when they see the lights. I love I love to see the joy that they have. But I think another reason why I had this kind of bah humbug type of attitude is because our culture likes to paint this idealized picture of Christmas that everything is perfect. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you guys, you guys, listen, industries have spent billions and billions of dollars idealizing Christmas. And what I mean is this, man, you look at the commercials this time of year, right? You see those, those jewelry commercials, right? Uh, where everything just seems to be perfect, the couple is sitting by the fire, you know, and, 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 and everything's just, just right, and the guy pops out this, this box, a necklace, ring, whatever, and, and the woman is just, ah, oh, you know, and everything just, you know, everything just seems so perfect, you know, um, or, or you, see, you see families that are sitting down and they have the perfect meal, right, you, you look at the kids, they're all decked out, uh, they're clean cut, mom is perfectly dressed after she just slaved in the kitchen, you know, uh, and she's, everything's just, just right. You know, social media and Pinterest, you know, they haven't, uh, they, they've introduced a whole new level of keeping up with the Joneses, right? And what, what's happened is, is that instead of finding true joy in Christmas and what Christmas is all about, we began to, to find our joy in things or experiences, right? Like the perfect dinner, like the perfect family photo or cute themed appetizers and desserts, Right? And everything's got to be just right. And if it's not, man, then we get upset and we get frustrated. We think, man, why can't this, why can't this be like this? So I want to give you some examples. Oh, they're already up on the screen. So here, here's, here's a picture, right? This is a family. Everything's great. Everything's perfect, right? Just cutting, cutting the turkey, ham, whatever that is. Go to the next slide, Gary. Uh, this, is the, this is the actual, right? This is you at Christmas vacation, Clark Griswold there. Um, that's, that's a great, uh, here's, you guys know the Christmas story, right? Remember, this is a scene where, you know, uh, he's trying to get to the turkey, he's been trying to get to the turkey all day long, right? And she's trying to keep him away, you know, they're having fun, you know, this is just a, and then go to the next slide. And then that's, uh, that's, that's how it actually happens, right? The dogs come in and, and ruin everything. You guys remember that scene in the Christmas story? How many of you have seen the Christmas story? I'm sure everybody, right? Okay, yeah. All right, go to the next slide, Gary. This is a picture of a family, right? Uh, looks a little crazy there. Go, go to the next slide. All right, there, there's a, uh, if you notice the top photo, right, that, that's the photo we see, the perfect kid posing for the, you know, the perfect picture, and then reality, when we try to do it, is down the bottom, right? This, uh, you nailed it, yeah. It's, it doesn't work out that way, does it? Go to the next one. That's, <laughs> right? That's how, it, that's, how, that's how it is in real life, not, not the perfect, uh, they, they look like they have a lot of joy in that picture, don't they? Go to the next slide. Yeah, the one on, the, on my right, which would be your left, no, it's your right, okay, that's weird, that, that just blew my mind right there. Uh, so, <laughs> it is your right, yeah, it is. So the one on the right there, uh, you see the, the, you know, it's just a perfect setting, perfect picture, and of course the one on the left is just, that's reality. Go to the next one, Gary, that's... Pinterest ideas, right? You see, didn't, didn't quite turn out, didn't quite turn out the, uh, the way you wanted. The next slide, cake pops. I love cake pops, right? The top, the top one is how it's supposed to look. That's, that's how ours turned out at the bottom there, right? 
Not, not so well. They look, they don't, I don't look appetizing. <laughs> same, same word. <laughs> I think I got one more, Gary. Is that, is that it? Oh, no, no, that's it. That's it. You got to go back. That's, that's later in the sermon. I'm sorry. There we go. All right. So, so here's the deal. Here's the reality, right? For some of us this morning, we are going into this, this Christmas season, this time of year, and for, for some of us, man, you might just be incredibly joyful, you're, you're happy, you're in a good season of life, but, but I would venture to say that for some of us, we are probably not in a good season of life right now, and you're, you're struggling to find true joy, and you're not even happy, and you're wondering what's going on, you're wondering where God is. Some of you are, some of you are here, and you're super excited about hanging out with family and friends and making memories, and then some of you, man, you're dreading hanging out with family because it's just a painful reminder that you don't have the family that maybe you wished you had. I mean, let's just be honest this morning, right? Not everybody here is going to wake up Christmas morning next to an absolute gorgeous spouse that's smiling, and you spring up out of bed and hold hands as you skip down the stairs to go outside where the snow is gently falling, you know, and and then you look in the driveway, and there's that beautiful Lexus with a bow on it, right? (laughs) I mean, it's just, it's not going to happen for all of us on December 25th. And so the question is, is how, how do we deal with some of the discouragement that, that comes along with this time of year? I mean, these Hallmark moments are nice and they're fun to watch, but let's just be honest, man. Life tends to be a little messier than that, right? Maybe for you, there's a lot of pain in your life, a lot of hurt, a lot of health issues, you're struggling. Maybe, maybe this time of year you're just feeling lonely because, you know, you, you don't have that special someone or, or maybe you've lost a loved one. Maybe you're dealing with that hurt and disappointment. Maybe your finances are, uh, are in bad shape and so you, you, you're struggling to try to make ends meet. And, of course, this time of year doesn't help things. And maybe your marriage is rocky, your future is uncertain, and you're just not feeling the joy of Christmas right now, right? So, so how do we find true joy even in the midst of life that is oftentimes so messy? That's the question we want to ask, answer this morning. And the reality for us this morning, I don't know if you realize this or not, but when we look back in Scripture at the very first Christmas, listen, it's anything but perfect. Right? It's interesting that our, our Christmas cards and our pageants and nativities always seem to depict this calm, serene scene with Mary and and Joseph, right, Mary's sitting there, and her hair is blowing gently in the breeze, and Joseph is standing over baby Jesus, you've got the angels and the shepherds, and everybody's there, and everybody, everybody just looks really, really great, but, but that, that first Christmas is anything but perfect, right, just, just some history, man, Rome was the dominant power, and uh, we read in Luke's gospel, his account of the, the birth story that Caesar Augustus had issued a census to be taken. That's why Mary and Joseph had to travel back to Bethlehem where he, where he was from, right? And remember, she's great with child when they make this journey, and so that couldn't have been very easy. Right? You, you got not to mention that, that, that they probably have been ridiculed. They've probably been looked at. They've probably been talked about, right? Because you got to remember, Mary and Joseph were not, they weren't married yet, Right? I mean, can you imagine going to uh, having your, your, your 15-year-old daughter come to you and say, uh, Mom and Dad, I got some news. I'm, I'm pregnant, but I, I swear up and down I'm a virgin, <laughs> right? And it's just, it's just, you'd be like, you're, you're out of your mind, right? 
And so, you know, the, the, the nation of Israel, they, they are splintering, they're dividing, because listen, I don't know if you know this or not, but it's been 400 years, 400 years between Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, uh, to, to the New Testament when Jesus comes onto the scene. It's been 400 years since God has actually spoken to his people, 400 years of silence. And you've got to understand, man, the, the Israelites, God's chosen people, have been accustomed to hearing from God through the prophets, uh, through, through other things. And, and, and so, you know, God being silent for 400 years, you've got to imagine disappointment generation after generation after generation. They're waiting to hear from God. They know the promises of Scripture. They know that, that there's a king coming, there's a Messiah coming, but, but there's been silence. And they're waiting and they're hoping. And maybe that's where some of you are today, right? You're in a place where you are wondering where God is at and you're just waiting and you're hoping. And you're like, man, where are you? He seems absent, right? And I love what Paul writes in the Apostle Paul. He, he wrote a lot of the New Testament. In the book of Galatians, you can write this down. It's not on the screen, but Galatians 4.4, 4, Paul says this. He says, but when the fullness of time had come, in other words, when the right time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman. When the right time came. Let's, can we just be honest this morning, right? Most of us are not interested in the right time, are we? We're interested in our time. Right? We want things to happen. We want them to happen. We want God to do things in our lives, but we, want, but we don't want God's calendar. So oftentimes what, we're, what, what happens is, is we're left wanting and we're left wondering. God even care about what's going on in my life right now. And I just want to encourage you this morning because oftentimes it's in those moments, it's in those seasons of life where you feel like God is absent, where you are struggling to hear from God. All right? And we're wondering if God even cares. It's in those moments that God is actually most powerfully present in our lives. I don't know if you have uh, ever experienced that before. Surely if you've been a follower of Jesus for any length of time and you've gone through some of these, these, these seasons, right, and you've gone through pain, you've gone through struggles, and you get through, the, through that and you get to the other side, you look back, you can always see, right, oh, yeah, God was here. Right, anybody else agree with me on that or am I just by myself on that, right? Yeah. Yeah, you can see where, where God was, was working, And the good news of Christmas is this, guys, is that God is with us. Emmanuel, that's what God, God with us. That's what the incarnation is all about, that God came down in the flesh, that even in the midst of our pain, our struggle, and our hard times that we experience here on this earth, that we can have joy because God is with us. And so I've got this little phrase uh, and, and it's really easy, and this is, this is what I want you to, to, to remember, right? This is it's very simple. God is, God was, God will be with me, right? God is, God was, God will be with me, even when we don't see him, even when we don't feel him. So let's look in Matthew chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 2, uh, to start, and then I want to share a little bit more history with you this morning, Okay? You guys didn't know you were coming to church for a history lesson. All right. It says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Um, for we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. 
Now, I want to stop there for a second and give you just a little bit of history about King Herod. Uh, the reason why King Herod is mentioned in this passage is because it gives some validity to the story, right? You can actually go back. It's like a timestamp, right? You can go back in history, and you can look and see that, okay, yes, King Herod really did live. He was a true person, a real person, and so it gives validity to the story. Uh, but it's also giving us an idea of what's going on politically and socially during the time uh, of, of the birth of Jesus, right? Now, I don't know how much you know about King Herod, right? But this dude was one bad mamma jamma, right? He was just off his rocker, man. He was a crazy. He was called King of the Jews because that was a legal term given to him uh, by by Rome. And King Herod was one of those guys that would do anything just to stay in power. He was a a power hungry kind of guy. He was married ten, I think, ten or eleven times. Uh, we're told that the, the only wife he really, truly loved was the, the wife, her name was Miriam, right? But, but what happened is he got very suspicious of his wife, Miriam, and so he had her killed. And then he had the two sons that he had with Miriam, he had them killed, right? He had, uh, he had all of his predecessors killed, right? He, he taxed all the poor in Israel so much that homelessness was a major problem uh, during that time. When he was on his deathbed, his oldest son was, was set to assume power when he passed away. And, uh, and so like five days before King Herod is to, is to, like before he dies, he actually has that son killed because he's thinking, okay, he may come in and kill me, right? And so he's very suspicious. And then it's also uh, written that, um, that he, he knew that when he died because of the nature of his reign, because of who he was and the person he was, that nobody was going to mourn for him. And so he actually scheduled... Uh, that when he died, he scheduled the death of a handful of prominent Israelites to be executed on that day so that there would be weeping and mourning in the streets the day that he died. Right? I mean, that's just one crazy dude, right? And he's just off his rocker, right? And this is, this, is, this is the circumstances that Jesus was born into, okay? Matthew 7, uh, go back to Matthew 2, and we'll go jump down to 7 through 11 here. It says, Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly, and he ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Now we know uh, from what I just told you that that's not true, right? He doesn't want to go worship Jesus. He wants to go do what to Jesus? He wants to kill Jesus, right? He feels threatened. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, and going to the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. By the way, just a real quick interjection here. You notice it says they went into the house, all right? So uh, oftentimes our nativity scenes that we have depict uh, the wise men with the shepherds and the angels and everybody there at the stable. This would have been about a year, at least a year, maybe a little bit longer after the birth of Jesus, right? So our nativity scenes with the wise men, they're, they're, they're not really theologically correct. But that's okay, you can keep them there, okay? If you want, you can just move them to the other side of the yard, right? So you have your shepherds and your angels right there, and then just move your wise men like on the other, other side there, okay? That'd be great. And then they fell down, it says they, 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 they fell down and they worshipped Jesus, then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. And so I, I wanted you to see just really the chaos that Jesus was born into. 
Right? I mean, listen, this, this little baby was not sleeping in heavenly peace. Listen, nobody in his family was sleeping in heavenly peace. I can, I can guarantee you that from experience that I'm going through right now. Um, but especially, especially this baby, because, listen, there, there was a price on Jesus' head. And so Christmas is a reminder, I love this, because Christmas is a reminder that Jesus is not afraid of our mess. Amen? I don't know if you believe that wholeheartedly or not, but Jesus is not afraid of our mess. Do you know who is afraid of mess, though? I am. I'm afraid of mess. And I don't know what it is about, uh, about your preacher, but I, I think I'm, I probably got some issues. And Robin would tell you I've got some issues. But I, for, for whatever reason, man, I'm OCD about certain things, and I don't like a mess. And so that doesn't, that doesn't go well with me having three kids now because it's going to be a constant state of mess in my house. Uh, but I remember when Robin and I first started dating, she had um, this dog. She had a golden retriever dog. I loved that dog. But we all know that golden retrievers are probably the worst dogs at shed. Right? Have you ever had a golden retriever? I mean, it's not just a little bit of hair. It's like, it's like giant hairballs everywhere, right? And so, you know, that, 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 uh, I struggled with that. She also had a cat. His name was Calvin. And, uh, and I know cats were a part of the fall back in Genesis. Um, <laughs> just kidding. I, the, the, cat actually, the cat actually grew on me. I actually ended up loving the cat. But, but it was this, uh, it was this, uh, the cat actually went crazy on us because what happened is, is when I, we got married and I moved in, the cat began to pull out its hair. So not only do I have golden retriever hair everywhere, but I got cat hair everywhere. And I was like, just inside I was, I was dying. I was like, this is, this is killing me. And so the doctor, the vet was like, has there been any major changes in this cat's life? And Robin was like, well, I just got married. And, and you know, and then she, he's like, that's, that's what's happened. He's, 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 he's going crazy on you. He's, he's, he's freaking out. And so we actually had our cat on Prozac. And so I thought it was kind of funny that here I am, I move in, and I'm driving the cat crazy, and the cat's driving me crazy, right? But well, actually, our relationship grew into a pretty, pretty cool relationship before he, he went on to be with wherever cats go. I don't know. <laughs> but but yeah, here's a picture. You guys have seen this already. We, we kind of went too far. But to go ahead and throw up that picture. This is a picture of, of, uh, of what Robin got me for Christmas a few years ago. Gary, go ahead and throw that there you go. It's a shark vacuum cleaner, and, uh, and she wrote on there, this is actually from the shark, I love Aaron. That's what she wrote on there as a joke, okay, because she knows how much I, I don't like messes and how much I clean, and, uh, and so she, she got that for me. That um, was pretty funny, and if you, if you have kids, you know that oftentimes your house stays in a constant state of mess, right? Just touch some of those pics we got. Uh, this, is, this first one here, I think, is, oh, yeah, that, that's marker. We buy uh, washable markers, right? You guys know that, okay? The next slide is Jude. That was uh, one, one, yeah, you guys tell it. It's like he's just pulled out all of his drawers and his clothes, and he's sitting in the corner like smiling at us, and, and I'm wanting to rage on him. I'm like, dude, you, you are killing me. I can't stand, I can't stand this, right? Um, you know, another thing that I, I said, kids, man, they don't know what it means to hold over the table and eat, do they? You know what I'm talking about? And, and crackers are the worst. Ritz crackers are from hell, I'm pretty sure, right? And so, so, so Robin, she, she, knows, she knows this, right? And so it was just, I think it was just last week, I was, I was, she knew that I was going to be coming home soon, 
And, um, and so she was feeding the baby, and she couldn't really supervise what was going on. But Shepard, our, our middle child, had gotten a box of Ritz crackers out, took it in the living room, and said, held him up. And Robin was like, sure, go ahead. She go to the table. So she go, he goes to the table, and then she, she actually calls me. She says, are you almost home? I said, yeah, I'm on my way. She says, just want to forewarn you that Shepard has the Ritz crackers. Because <laughs> she knew, right? And sure enough, when I walk in, man, there is Ritz crackers everywhere, right, on the floor. And uh, so, you know, my OCD, my, my, my not liking the mess, you know, just kind of went into overdrive. I was like, oh, you know. And so that's just, that's just the, way, that's the way it is. And I say all this to say <laughs> that for many of us, our life feels like a mess, doesn't it? And maybe it's a mess that, that we didn't even create for ourselves. Maybe it's a mess that we just kind of walked into, Right? And the good news of Christmas is that Jesus does not run from our mess, right? He's not like me. He's not OCD. You know, he, Jesus does not run from our mess, right? And I love this, man, because you see that Jesus actually comes right smack dab in the middle of the mess. And that's the good news of Christmas. That's the gospel. And I want you to understand, man, that, that Jesus is not afraid of what's going on in your life right now. He's not afraid of, of what you're going through. Whatever it is you're struggling with, with whatever fear that you might be having, with whatever guilt that you might be carrying on to, with whatever shame that you might be feeling because of something that you've done in your past, depression. Listen, Jesus is not afraid of our mess. I mean, he came for broken people, right? And we live in a world that is full of broken people, right? We are all broken by sin. That's what sin does. Sin breaks us. And so we are all broken by sin, and Jesus came into this world for broken people, for sinners. Right? God is, God was, God will be with me. And Christmas is a great reminder that broken things can be made beautiful again. I love what Psalm 34, 18 says. It says that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed spirit. Right? Because Jesus came in the flesh, the Bible tells us in Hebrews, that Jesus can sympathize with us because he's been where you are. Right? That's good news. So maybe you're going into Christmas, right? And maybe you feel alone. Maybe you're like, man, I'm all alone. You know, you've lost a loved one, whatever. You go to these Christmas parties, you go out to the mall, you see people that are with others, and you're like, man, why can't I be like that? But I want you to know that Jesus is good news for people who are alone because Jesus knows what it's like to be alone, right? Because of the greatest crisis of Jesus' life, man, when he was going to the cross, every single person deserted Jesus. They left him. Judas betrayed him. When Jesus was on the cross, his own father, he says, my, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, right? Jesus knows what it's like to be alone. He's close to the brokenhearted. Maybe for some of you, it's, it's, it's a difficult time of year because of family, Right? And it's a time of year where you're reminded of the complexities of family and how difficult things are. You know, I, maybe for you, your family's perfect. I don't know. Maybe you will sit down on December 25th for dinner around a table of extremely emotionally mature, well-adjusted human beings. I don't know. However, research shows that most, all families at least have one jacked up person. <laughs> right? And so if you're sitting there at Christmas around the dinner table and you're trying to identify that jacked up person and you can't, chances are it may be you, right? (laughs) 
I mean, just, somebody needed to tell you that, right? Let's be honest, man. A lot of us have family issues. A lot of us have families, and, and it's complicated, it's difficult. And, and, and for us, family represents brokenness. It represents disappointment. And I don't know if you know this or not, but Jesus had a family, right? And, and the Gospel of Mark, it tells us that Jesus, right before he kicks off his ministry, his brothers and his sisters actually think that he's off his rocker. They're thinking he's crazy. So Jesus knows all about the complexities of families. Listen to me, Jesus is close to the brokenhearted. He knows all about rejection. He knows all about disappointment. He knows all about pain and death. And Jesus is good news for broken people, and we are all broken people. Listen, Jesus is at his best when our brokenness is at its worst. And for all of you who are struggling to find joy of Christmas because of your circumstances are less than ideal and you're plagued with questions about why is this happening to me? Why is this going on? Why is my family, you know, is this ever going to end? What's the point? And I would love to be able to sit here and answer those questions for you definitively and say, hey, you know what, it's going to end, it's going to stop. And I can't, honestly, I can't stand up here and, and do that. I mean, I wish I could just tell you that you're going to wake up in the morning and it's going to be just like the commercials, right, where everything's hunky-dory. But that's not the way it is. But what I can tell you is that Christmas is a reminder of the Scripture in Lamentations. Lamentations is in the Old Testament. I love this verse. Lamentations 3, 22-23 says that the steadfast love of the Lord never, never, never ceases. Let that sink in for a second. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Amen, right? God is, God was, God will be with me. And maybe most importantly, listen to me, His forgiveness, and some of you need to hear this, man, His forgiveness trumps your deepest, darkest sin. Greed, pride, lust, whatever it is, the secret sins that you have that you keep coming back to, the Bible tells us that he took them on himself. Isaiah 53, 4 and 5 says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. Listen, Jesus took it all on himself because God is, God was, God will be with me. And our ultimate joy is not in things, it's not in experiences, but our ultimate joy is found in Jesus and Jesus alone. Listen, this life is messy, but Jesus came for messy people. This life is temporary. And our ticket to the perfect life, to eternal life, is already paid for by Jesus. Amen? And so what I want us to do now is I want us to take a time, and, and we're going we're gonna to pray, and we're going to sing a song. And I want to invite you this morning, uh, if you're here and, and you are going through one of those seasons of life where you're struggling, you're just having a hard time, we're going to have some prayer team members up front. We'll have somebody in the back as well if you want to go back there. 
And we just want to encourage you. We want to pray for you. We want to uh, just, just be there, help you. So please take advantage of that this morning. But, but if you're here this morning and, and you are broken, right, you feel like your life is a mess and you feel like, man, you know, there's no way that, that God could ever forgive me. There's, I can't seem to get past this one sin or I'm really struggling with this guilt. I'm really struggling with this shame. Whatever it is, man, we want you to come up and we want to talk with you about the forgiveness of Jesus and what that means and how you can rest in the gospel and know that you're forgiven, know that your love, his love never ceases. His mercies are new every day. I'm going to tell you something, man, I look forward to that because some days I wake up, I'm like, God, thank you for a new day. Thank you for your mercies that are new every single day. And so I just want to invite you to do that this morning. Let's, let's pray and then we're going to stand and we're going to sing together, okay? Father God, we thank you so much. We thank you for this time of year, God, where we are reminded of the fact that you came, that you, you, you sent your son Jesus into this world, that Jesus put on flesh and he dwelled among us. God, he's not afraid of our, our, our messes. He's not afraid, afraid of our, our hang-ups and, and the things that we struggle with. God, he's not afraid of that, but God, he, he wants us to come to him. He is, he is our father and he wants to have a relationship with us. And so, Father, I pray this morning that, that you will just continue to move in this place. God, if there is somebody here that is struggling this morning, I pray that they will come and, and be encouraged. If there is somebody here that's just broken by sin and they just need healing, they need forgiveness, I pray, Father, that you would speak into their hearts, God, and they would come forward. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.